This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kirpin. Now, Carrie Kirpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I am Carrie Kirpin, and I am thrilled today to be with my next guest, uh, who is featured in my upcoming book. Erica Keswin is a workplace strategist, and she's also a founder of a project that I am completely obsessed with called the Spaghetti Project. Also, she's coming out with an incredible book. It is called Bring Your Human to Work. 10 Surefire Ways to Design a Workplace That's Good for People, Great for Business, and Just Might Change the World. I mean, who could do that better justice than Erica herself? Welcome, Erica, to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you here, and I just want our listeners to know about this incredible story and how you came to this sort of reinvention around the Spaghetti Project and all of it. Tell me your story and your relationship with technology. Okay. So it starts pretty early on in my life. I uh, would say that if you talk to people who knew me in grammar school and in high school and and beyond and said, what is a one-word descriptor of Erica, they would say connector. And so it's always something that's been important to me and something that I, I just get a lot of fulfillment from connecting great people to each other, connecting great people with ideas, really, really all of it. And I would say even um, when I look back, I had, I didn't know the word that existed at the time, but really my side hustle has been um, setting up marriages. And I've actually connected, you know, three marriages over my life, which according to uh, research means that I'm going straight to heaven. I mean, it's not a small feat to connect and have it result in three marriages. I think that's like really evidence of your incredible skills because I've tried to fix people up many times. I don't have that skill. I can't, I, I don't have the same level. The three, the three marriages is wild. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really exciting. So oh uh, I'm glad to have that. I, I wanted to hit that number three. So I'm I am, I'm now, you know, good to go. So a connector and a matchmaker. And then, and then from a professional perspective, I spent the last 20 plus years working in the human capital space. So I describe that as helping companies improve their performance through people. So I've done executive coaching, I've done, you know, management training, designing compensation systems, all the different ways that companies focus on people, attracting them and retaining them. One of my jobs that I did for a number of years was um, actually in executive recruiting with a pretty well-known company called Russell Reynolds. And when I think back, you know, about how the different parts of my life and I'm connecting the dots, you know, I was a professional matchmaker, really connecting great people with great jobs. And I, I loved working there and I did it for a long time. So, the, the story around technology actually began during my tenure at Russell Reynolds. And I remember it like it was yesterday. It was 1998, and I was newly engaged and very excited for my upcoming wedding. And I was given this thing called a BlackBerry. 
and I was learning how to use it. I had a just, big deal in yeah, ninety eight, and I just had sort of transitioned from a Palm Pilot, and yep. you know, clearly, I'll start to show my age to your young listeners out there, but so be it. Mm -hmm. And I got this BlackBerry. And at the same time, my fiance said that he had a conference in Bermuda and would I like to come? And of course I'd like to come. And the Who great wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. And the great thing about recruiting is that it's pretty flexible and you could do it from many, many places. And I decided to go with him and I brought my new friend, the BlackBerry, and I for three days, sat on the beach and making calls to CEOs and writing candidate letters and truly working from Bermuda. And I stopped and I said to myself one day, you know, one of those three days, I this is the life. I cannot believe I am working, getting paid, and I'm sitting on a beach in Bermuda. So I get back from Bermuda and I began to incorporate this BlackBerry into my life in a lot of ways. I did find myself you know, really loving the little red light. If you ever had a BlackBerry, yeah, had this great red, red light, which kind of told you when you had a message yep. and began to sort of see that I was always wondering when that little red light would go on and on. And now fast forward, it's it's 10 years later. And I've, you know, for all of us, technology and, and phones and Blackberries just were part of what we did in our jobs. And I, and then the iPhone came out. So now it's 10 years later, um, you know, 2008, 2009, and my family had taken a sabbatical. We actually had moved to Colorado yep. to take a year out of the concrete jungle and move to the mountains. And at the time, I'd been working at NYU doing coaching in the business school. It was a great job. One, I had a lot of, I had three kids, you know, toddlers. I had twins and then another one. So, you know, three kids pretty quickly. And I wanted a job that was, I had a little bit more control over. Yep. So I was working in a coaching role, and we took this family sabbatical to Colorado. And it sort of hit me. I had a BlackBerry and an iPhone. Right. Now this was when the iPhone came out, 10 years later. And here I am walking around, and, and I laugh because, uh, you know, I think about myself walking around with these two phones yeah. in a suit. I said this, I tell people this was not a good look for a working right. woman. Right. You know, with the pockets the, bulging right, out versus right, the men. And right. I remember a lot of businessmen that I knew at the time had a BlackBerry for work and an iPhone for the apps. Yeah. And I was like, I'm like, what am I doing with myself? I, I It gives you know, a he, new meaning to, like, double-fisted, right? You used to have two <laughs> beers, and, like, instead you're, like, walking around with two phones. Right. And, and people had not yeah. been ready at the time time yes. to give up the BlackBerry yep. with the great keyboard. And yep. I was in that group of people you were a BlackBerry that, holdout. that had these. Yes, I was yep. a BlackBerry holdout. Yep. So I'm walking around. I have my two phones. My kids are starting to be of the age where I was trying to model good behavior because yep. they're watching what I'm doing. I pride, I prided myself and still did on my the importance of connection and relationships, but I really was lost. Yep. I had lost control, um, which you can ask my husband, and, yep. I, and I didn't know what to do. And this came to a head one day when I was having a coffee with a friend. I saw the impact in my professional life, but in my personal life, I had, had been meeting with this very close friend, and it had happened a couple times, but on this one particular day, I had this aha moment. And we're out for coffee, and her phone's on the table, and, and I wanted to share something really important that was going on in my life. And the phone was buzzing. I would get to a point in the story and the phone was buzzing. And, oh, it's just my babysitter. I got to check this. I got to check that. And I had oh, the last couple of times I had said, could you maybe put it in your bag, you know, just for a minute so we can finish the conversation that we've yeah. been trying to have. And she just couldn't do it. There was always an excuse. I need to check a work thing. I have a young baby. You know, we all have things going on in our right. lives. But she, in that moment, was not able to prioritize 
that relationships that relationship and i will say to you honestly and it really makes me sad when i think about it even today our relationship has changed because of it because i started to give up and she's just can't put away her phone so all of this was in my mind when we had moved to colorado and i was just thinking how can i be a better role model in my business and at home and um, we were living in Aspen, Colorado, and yep. they have a, an amazing um, thing called the Aspen Institute. Yep. And I said to my husband, there's a woman speaking at the Institute on the impact of technology on relationships. And her name was Sherry Turkle. She had just written this book called Alone Together. Yes. And that's what I saw. I mean, and I was guilty of it, too. So I said to Jeff, my husband, I'm going to go and listen to this woman speak about this topic and try to pick up any tips that I can bring home with me on how to minimize any psychological damage I'm doing to our children around my own issues around technology, given that I still had two phones. So I packed my bag. I went over to the Institute and listened to Sherry's talk. And after the talk, I bought her book and she signed it. And we struck up a conversation. And, you know, as, as luck or karma would have it, we decided to go out for a cup of coffee. And in that 30 minutes, she was describing how her next book, After Alone Together, was going to be focused on how do we reclaim conversation on a societal level. And she had written an amazing op-ed called The Flight from Conversation. It had gone crazy viral. And she was describing, you know, after giving me some tips for my kids, how she was going to write this book on how does how do we reclaim conversation in medicine, in education, in family, in dating. You know, she's a psychologist, right. and that really was her expertise. And then she said, in business. So I, without missing a beat, and I, again, I sort of had taken some time off when we moved to Colorado. I said, I know you met me 20 minutes ago, but this is my background. It's working with companies for 20-plus years on how to improve performance through people and technology was becoming a bigger and bigger part of what I was seeing in business. So I said, if you're open to it, I would love to, to work with you on that chapter. And so ultimately, she said, great. We, we worked together for a number of years on that chapter. I worked with her on the research. Her book came out. And I just, you know, and it was it's a great book. And, um, you know, if anybody hasn't read it, I, I'd highly recommend it. And after her book came out, I said, you know what? I am not done with this. I am really fascinated and interested in going even deeper on this topic from a business perspective. So I started doing my own research, and I came across this phenomenal study out of Cornell University that was written by a guy named Kevin Niffen. Um, and he's a fire. His dad was a firefighter. And he, um, I, I ended up talking to him, and he was describing the study, which ultimately found that the firefighters who are dedicated to that longstanding tradition of the firehouse meal it actually correlates with higher levels of performance and they save more lives. So all of a sudden, what I had been thinking about and, and what my intuition had been telling me, that investing time to connect with people actually correlates with higher levels of performance. It's it's good for business. Right. It was this, you know, my second sort of aha moment. And when I started looking at the study and looking at firefighters and learning more about firefighters, I talked to a lot of firefighters, you know, and many of you, you know, in the audience, I'm sure this will resonate with you, that the go-to meal for firefighters is spaghetti and meatballs. Of course. And that's why I called my work around this the Spaghetti Project. I just loved everything. I remember when I actually first read about you. It's so funny because when we connected originally, I think... 
Were you, I think I got you a Secret Santa gift, right? Was that mm-hmm. what it was? I was your Secret Santa through a networking group that oh we're part gosh, of. That's yes. right. I totally and I, forgot. I had Googled you to find out about you. And I read an article, I remember on your, I think it was your first spaghetti project dinner. And just the concept of people coming together and talking to one another. It's crazy how that can feel so novel and new. Right, so but retro. <laughs> it really is because we're so attached to our phones and we're so attached to um, connecting via text, connecting via all of these different messaging apps and all of these different things that we've we've really forgotten how to communicate. But you don't you don't feel that it's totally lost, right? We can still kind of save ourselves and and have a relationship with technology and also develop our uh, redevelop because I think for young people too like they actually have to learn Correct. how to develop things that we didn't have to learn like right. how to how to make eye contact, mm-hmm. how to talk face to face, right? So that that's not lost, right? It's not like it's not like we're holding up our canes and saying these kids they don't know how to talk. It's like there there's an opportunity, right, for us yeah. to reclaim this. Exactly. And I I don't think it's lost. To me it comes down to just deciding that it's important and, and to having an intention to to do it. And so the Spaghetti Project is a platform that shares the science and stories around connection at work. It could be connection at home. It doesn't have to just be work. And so when I talk about the science and stories, it's I bring people together and share with them the reasons why we're not connecting. I mean, part of it is this this really strong magnetic pull. This technology is designed to make us want more. Right. You know, it's really not our fault right. that we get a hit of dopamine every time we get an email, right. which is why I didn't realize it at the time, which is why I was addicted to the little red light on the BlackBerry. And so we get together and we talk about, you know, the 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 study with the firemen and, you know, the all the studies that show why when we connect, it's actually good for us as people and good for us for business. We talk about the science behind why the technology pulls us toward it. And then we stop and say, well, okay, now we understand why it's so hard for us. The second half of the Spaghetti Project is, so what do we do about it? Right. And and to your point, it's not lost. It takes intention. So I try to make the Spaghetti Project's prescriptive so that anybody can walk away. And I go in, I do them for companies. When I bring a, a group of people, a staff together, a department or, or a group of vice presidents across a company to say, we know it's hard, but if but here's why it's important to make a commitment to it. And it's not all the time. It's mm. just, you know, we can decide how often it makes sense for us. So the three ways that I break down the prescriptions is – um, and it's, it's three P's, so it makes it easier for people to remember. Perfect. It's prioritizing, positioning, and protocols. So the first is, are we are we prioritizing relationships? Like, let's just put it out there right. and and be honest. And the question that I ask people, which can get very emotional in some of these dinners that I've hosted, is, does your calendar reflect your values? And I, I did um, a spaghetti project with a not-for-profit out in Santa uh, San Francisco a couple of months ago and a woman got really emotional and she applied it more to her personal life in that moment. And she right. said, you know, it used to and now it doesn't. And we used to be able to have these family dinners and now my kids are in high school and they're playing 17 sports. And she, we talked about how you don't have to put yourself under so much pressure that you have to have a family dinner every night. Maybe it's brunch on Sunday, but it's really about the intention. I love the calendar concept because it's so 
black and white. Like it's sitting in front of you as a metric mm-hmm. for what you're doing and how you're prioritizing your relationships. I even think from my own staff in listening to you, how many of their meetings are internal? Like they're sitting with their close friends and like, you know, just trying to figure out what to do versus talking to clients and speaking to them versus mm-hmm. brainstorming about them. And I think that, that that's something that I know for my young staff, they struggle with uh, a lot of times. It's like, okay, I need to form an actual relationship with this client, not just give them a good idea, not just tell them what they need to do in mm-hmm. social media, but like actually talk to them and ask them how their day is going and actually having right. conversations. So I think, I think that's something great that I will definitely bring back to my team. Tell me second P. Well, before we go to that, I want to give you one, since yes. you're going to bring this back to your team. I, I, I work with a lot of law firms, and what I say to them is you can, you'll can you become a commodity. There's another amazing law firm across right. the street, and there's, a, there's other firms that do what you do. Right. So why does someone want to work with you? Because they have a relationship. Yep. You know, you're not necessarily competing on the you – know, you don't want to be the one that competes on lowest cost because right. then if someone, someone, if someone undercuts lower. you right. – Exactly. Right. And so part of it is helping to give them – actual tips on how to do that. You know, bring them a Starbucks, find out what their favorite latte is. And, you know, we can talk about that offline or, you know, we just talked about me maybe coming to your office. Oh, yeah. So, but I think it's, especially with the young people, it's trying to get, really give them ideas because to your point earlier, we grew up with this. We didn't have any other way to do it. Right. And so we need to help them. I think that what I find interesting also is that for a young person, if they develop the skill of forming relationships, it really helps them cut through the clutter. Look, all of their apps are designed. Look at Uber is specifically designed never to have a conversation with a cab driver, right? So if you if you do take the time to form relationships, it can help you cut through the clutter, I think, too. 100%. But in contrast to Uber, think about Lyft. When Lyft was launched, their whole motto was sit in the front seat. Have a conversation. Uh, I love that. And, and you know, I don't know how many people do sit in the front seat, but that was their whole motto was we can. And I have, I've actually met with them. I have amazing stories uh, about how they their drivers are actually empowered to connect. And when they do, these stories are shared across the whole company. I mean, that's a whole separate thing. So the second P is positioning. So we have, you know, are you prioritizing relationships and then are you how are you positioning technology which means two things number 1 how are you leveraging it to strengthen relationships because again to your to the example of your young staff they're still going to leverage and use technology to connect with their clients but it can't be the only way so how are they leveraging it and then how are they putting it in its place to connect with them in a deeper way which you know you'll talk with them maybe it's once a quarter maybe it's Maybe it's once a month. Maybe it's once a week. Whatever it is, how are they? Ba- how are they sort of leveraging and also putting it in its place? See, I find that really interesting too. Because for me, I mean, obviously, we connected as you know, so through social, through email, through every technological channel right. out there, right? But then when we meet in person. It's a whole different level. Yet afterwards, we're not going to be able to meet in person all the time, and so making sure that you're nurturing the relationship through technology and then meeting again as soon as possible is always a really good thing. I find that when I meet with a client and I get to know them, if I get their cell phone for text, it's it's an incredible enhancement to the relationship yeah. because it's a quick, easy way to and respond. And it's intimate. It's intimate, but it's not as intimate as a face-to-face. So it's finding that balance. And I, lo- I love that on the yep. second page. I, I would just 
add a couple things. There was a study out of Michigan, University of Michigan, that showed that the delta of meeting with a client, meeting with someone zero times versus one. Yes. You get in front of them one time. Yep. Hopefully, you're going to do it again. Yep. But it's such a dramatic jump. Yep. You know, and, and it could be an investment. So you run a company. Maybe it's letting one of your junior people hop on a plane. To go out To there. go to wherever, to Florida. And they feel good because it's a great professional development opportunity, yep. which we know for millennials, after working for a company with, with the right values, they want to be developed. So you're letting them get on the plane. But the impact that, that that's going to have with that client from a bottom line perspective is a huge return. And then and then you think about, look, you don't want to wait five years to do it again. And there always is this cost benefit. Yep. But I again, it goes back to being intentional. Yep. Knowing these stories, knowing the data, and then just coming up with the strategy. And it can change, but at least starting with something. Love it. Third P. Third P is protocols. And I, I sort of, you know, laugh, not laugh. I get a smile on my face when I think about this because when I, as I've worked for now seven plus years on this topic and traveled all over the country, even outside the country, talking to people about, you know, CEOs, millennials, and everybody in between on the impact of technology on connection at work, what I, what I, what I forget is that this technology is so new. We only this summer had the 10-year anniversary of the iPhone. And I feel as if the iPhone's been around much longer than my kids, but right. in reality it hasn't. I, I can't even remember life without the iPhone. So we need to remember, as moms, as business women dealing with our, you know, the people that work for us, this technology is new. And when you're in a place where something is so new, the, the phrase that I kept using was, this is like the Wild West. Absolutely. Nobody knows which way is up. Absolutely. And what do we need in the Wild West? There's often a sheriff who helps create these rules of the road. So that's what I think about when I when – I, Think about creating protocols. They are rules of the road. And again, they're going to change over time. But maybe with your employees, yeah. it's when you when you have an all-hands meeting, there's no technology. Or maybe there's only technology at the end. Maybe when a client comes in, you know, for sure there's no technology when they come to, if and when they come to your office. So you really can create those those deeper relationships. It's this is really really important and given me actually a lot of food for thought already my head is spinning with things that we could do at our office to help really remove technology when to remove it and actually when to insert it right it's not always about like okay no phones here but like okay like you said at the end maybe it's like no phones during the meeting and then at the end of the meeting take out your phone and send send every you know put together in the Facebook mm -hmm. group or whatever the most valuable insights from exactly. that meeting like things here's like a, that. here's another one that you'll love so okay. for my book I just interviewed um Aria Finger who's the CEO of Do Something who's also in the yes. networking group yes um, yes yes that we're in know, that, that yes. we're in and how we met and she was telling me that they have this, and I actually saw, I, I went into their office, so I saw it. They have a gong. So if there's a big announcement or somebody's birthday, they hit this gong, gong. and everyone knows, you know, you drop what you're doing and you get up and you walk over to that gong and you all connect face to face. And what's amazing about that is, again, there's science behind it. When we as people connect face to face, we have a physiological response. So our oxytocin, which is our feel-good hormone, it yep. actually goes up. Yep. And our cortisol, which is the stress hormone, goes down. Yep. And so your people are bumping into each other. There's a correlation between connecting face-to-face -face and creativity. I mean, so many good things happen when people connect. 
And so that takes 10 minutes out of your day. It's like the seventh inning stretch yeah. or, you know, the three o'clock. Actually, Slack does it out in San Francisco. It, I walked into their office to meet with them and this gong went off at three o'clock. I truly almost jumped out. Ah. I, mean, I think I did. I jumped out of my shoes. <laughs> like, what the heck is going on? You know, I'm a New Yorker. So when a big like, loud what's happening sound here? goes right, off, you duck. I'm like, right. what's, like what's happening? On? And I thought it was ironic at Slack. Right. That's designed to sort of keep you right. on technology. But Correct. even they know and they do it every day at three o'clock. The gong goes off and people go get a coffee. People go get a coffee. That's amazing. Erica, tell me when your book's coming out. So the book is being published by McGraw-Hill. Yep. And it's coming out in October of uh, next year. So to October of 2018. I don't have the exact date, but as soon as I know, I will let you know. I just, I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to share it with the companies that I work with because I think that you uh, have such a powerful mix of uh, research to back up a very uh, important perspective that we need in the world today. So thank you so much for being on the show. Tell me, if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place to go? Great. I would say um, one of two ways you can do www.ericakeswin.com. It's E-R-I-C-A-K-E-S is in Sam, W-I-N, or uh, thespaghettiproject.com. Either way, it comes right to me. And I have one more question for you before we go that I really wanted to ask you. Which social network do you feel like is the best for connecting? I would say for me personally, yep. I I use LinkedIn yep. and I use Twitter. Amazing. LinkedIn you know, and Twitter. I feel and like a, Twitter, you can connect with anybody well, in the I, world, right? I think right? what's amazing is from a business perspective, there's a lot of great conversations going on yep. on LinkedIn. Yep. But Twitter also, if you put out a tweet that, that resonates with people, and again, my business is about creating that dialogue. Yep. People write back and, you know, it, it's amazing. And, you know, I talk to a lot of clients about how they specifically, you know, going, it goes back to positioning technology. The second P is all about thinking strategically about which social media will help them strengthen relationships with their clients. So it's critical. I love it. And I love that I was so obsessed with your conversation around connection that I didn't even remember to ask you about that part of technology. It's pretty amazing, actually. It speaks to the importance of what you're talking yeah. about. Thanks, Erica, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.